0: On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story podcast. I'm your host, April Adams-Pertwee. And if you have ever had that little voice inside your head that says, I wonder what it would be like to write a book one day or I kind of want to write a book one day, then this is going to be the episode for you. We talk all about storytelling here in at the inside story podcast. And of course, you know, inside light beamers and all the places and a big part of storytelling can be learning to write and share your story inside of a book, publish that book, reach more people, let that story have a greater impact in the world. And I kind of preach that message on repeat, but sometimes it's nice to bring in other people who preach that message also, because if, if what I'm saying doesn't quite land, maybe it will land when you hear it from someone else. And so my guest today is such a perfect person to, to come in and have this conversation. She's a great friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Cindy Childress, and she is, that's, that's exactly what she does. She helps people usher through the process of becoming an author. She both is a writing coach um, and a book mentor as well as a ghost writer. So she actually comes alongside some people, some, some writers as they're writing their book, and she actually helps them with the writing process by doing some ghost writing for them and with them. So I just knew that Cindy, um, she just, she's like, she, as you're, as you're going to learn, she loves to have her little fairy godmother wand and wave it. And she wants to make your dreams come true. Uh, There you go. She's got her wand. She wants to make those little whispers inside that in the back of your head become a reality. And I want that for you too. So that's what we're going to talk about on the show today is just kind of just demystifying this whole process of what does it take to actually publish a book and share your story in this way. So welcome to the show, Cindy. So happy to have you here.
1: Hello. Thank you, April. I am thrilled
0: to be here. Yes. It's a perfect fit to have you come in and talk. Um, I just was actually inside your community, not too long ago, getting the great pleasure of talking to all of your authors about the power of becoming a speaker and using speaking as a tool to get their books out to more people. And I'm just excited about getting the opportunity to return the favor and having you come talk to our audience, my audience about, you know, the book writing process and yeah, just, you know, what is it like to to answer that call and to turn that whisper into a really loud voice. So I can't wait to dig in with you today. Um, I did introduce you as Dr. Cindy. You actually have a PhD in English. Is that right?
1: Yes, I do with a creative writing focus.
0: Oh, well, hello. Um, Where did you get your PhD? The
1: University of Louisiana at Lafayette which at the time I got it, it was one of only six universities in the country that had a creative writing track at the doctoral level.
0: So for you, creative writing, were you always a creative writer growing up? Like, you know, for me, I've told stories about writing poetry. That was a form of my creative writing when I was a young child. I've never published any of my poems. I've never done anything with my poetry. It was a form of a, of a journaling process for me. Did you, did you have a similar thing in your childhood where you wrote or journaled or did poetry or did some sort of creative writing?
1: Yeah. You know, April, I think the first time we met at Ron Reich and Selena Sue's mastermind in Miami and, and everybody, I want you all to know when I met April, neither of us knew that the other was a professional. No, <laughs> in the We were just two women having a conversation and somehow we landed exactly here. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I told April that when I was in the second grade, um, so for spelling, there would be fill in the blank and you would have a word bank and you were supposed to use the words of the week from your spelling. Um, and you're supposed to put the correct word in the correct blank. Well, I would look at those blanks and I would think of other words, not in the word box that I thought would tell a better story (laughs) than the (laughs) one they were giving us. Um, and I'll say when I was in the fourth grade, I wrote my first story in my journal. This was, um, the late eighties. So it was one of those cloth covered journals. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wrote about a little girl who decided to be a vegetarian and her parents didn't like it. And when I was 21, I became a vegetarian. So (laughs) (laughs) um, yes, but you know, after childhood, um, I really left creative writing behind. I think I got scared. I felt like creative writing was just for people who were really good. um, And Mm. I had some help with my fear with my parents telling me, oh, don't try to be a writer. You need to be an English teacher to get a safe job. (laughs) And so, you know, that was what I was um, going to college for, for my first four years. And for the, um, the English major, I took the creative writing elective. And my Thesis, my professor had to make me take it by the way I didn't even want to take it I've been so scared off the idea and um, and when I got into the class and just it was my homework assignment I had to do it and I saw how much fun it was and how much fun it was to come into class and for everybody to share their writing with each other and I got a lot of encouragement and the next thing you know I'm hosting the first ever poetry slam at Western Kentucky University <laughs> And um, I was off to the races.
0: Oh my gosh. I love those fun, like little origin stories, you know, of where did that spark come from? And what was the, the little seed that turns into the the garden that ends up growing inside of you, even to the point of like pieces that you wrote about became true. Like the little girl that wanted to be a vegetarian ended up growing up to become a vegetarian. And that's such a beautiful representation of what creative writing can do for us is it allows us to dream. It allows us to imagine. It allows us to, to not have to always literally fill in the blank with the one and only option of the word, right? We get to break the rules a little bit and create our own rules. And, Oh, I love, I love, love, love that story. So obviously, you went on. You got your PhD. You probably uh, like a little bit around. Like, okay, I'll follow my parents' advice. But when did you really step into this work of? Okay, I'm actually going to be a writer. I'm going to help other people become writers. What was the the precipice of the beginning of your business?
1: Well, um, so there's a long there's a long way around this. Very short answer. But um, when I finished my PhD in 2008, this coincided with the time that my then-boyfriend had the opportunity to live and work in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And this came up as I was finished. I was ABD, all but dissertation, and I really wanted to graduate before I moved. So um, as soon as I graduated, I moved to Malaysia with him. Now, I thought because there were plenty of English speaking universities there that I would just be a professor there and it would be fabulous, Um, but I had a work visa and that did not turn out the way I hoped it would. Um, So I was the president of two um, expatriate women's clubs throughout the seven years that I lived in Malaysia and also Indonesia and did tons of travel. And I got back to the States again when Jack, um, my husband, now um, he he was transferred back to Houston. And I arrived and I said, I'm amazing. Who wants to hire me? And first I went for nonprofit jobs because that matched the experience I'd had the last seven years. And I couldn't get interviews there, so I started looking for um, content writing and tech writing Mm. positions, and I couldn't even get interviewed for those positions. And I just want to say, this is really important for me to share, because I bet a lot of women listening have experienced some of this yourself. Because I had a seven-year work gap, and trying Mm. to come back into the labor force with a work gap like that is just hard for anybody, even if you have a PhD.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: And I ended up um, because I'd also been a marathon runner while I lived in Malaysia. So I said, well, maybe, maybe I'll just change industries. So I became a certified personal trainer and um, went on to manage a gym, um, as well as doing a lot of tech writing and um, uh, sales script training in that company. And Through that, I got my sea legs back. I was like, "Yeah, I do. I really do have something really good to offer that is in the space of writing, not just in the space of you know health and wellness." And so, I launched my business in 2017, um, which happened. I have to say this too, because one night I was crying and telling my husband, "I'm." I felt like, um, in the fitness company I was working in, there weren't any other ways really for me to advance any further, you know, I'd kind of gotten mm-hmm. as far as I could there.
0: You hit that glass and, ceiling kind of thing.
1: Exactly. And, um, so I'm crying. I'm like, I just don't know what to do. And then he said, well, why don't you start your own business? And I said, you mean like a, a subway franchise? And he said, <laughs> no. <laughs> He said, start a writing business. Then I said, well, who will hire me? And he said, well, you got to start it and find out. So that very night before I lost my nerve, I bought my first um, website domain and um, ordered my first set of business cards. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I contacted a friend of ours who was a lawyer to find out how to make it legit. And within two weeks, I had so much work coming in that I had to um, negotiate with that fitness company to reduce my hours. And um, I stayed with them for um, a period longer after that, but, you know, in a part-time capacity because they really didn't want to lose me. And, you know, that was good for me too, you know, building a new business to have that security um, beside of it.
0: So what did you do? Like, okay, you ordered the business cards, you got the website because that's like the golden thing. How do I get clients? So you said they came in immediately. What was your modality of marketing and, and, or reach outs and, and what were you, how are you sharing it?
1: Yeah. So one thing had happened in the summer before this January, 2017, when I started my business and that is, you know, again, because I felt like I wasn't having the growth that I wanted in that job anymore. I had joined a women's networking group in Houston. And when I would go to these meetings, I would meet these women who had their own businesses. And some of whom were professors or they had masters like myself and they were kind of consultants or they were doing high level um, one-to-one work with people and they were so happy and proud and excited. And there was one time in particular when um, there was a, a nonprofit called Nerdy Girl And they were asking for um, women business owners to be speakers to inspire the girls in their group. And my heart was just crushed that I had nothing to offer them because (laughs) I was just somebody in a mid-level of a company and that just wasn't inspiring. And so all these things kind of kicked me in the butt. But as soon as I started my company, some of the women that I've been meeting in the networking group, And it wasn't, I wasn't available for them to hire, you know, before, but now that I have a business and I'm offering something, you know, um, right away, uh, people started asking me to do things like writing a speaker, one page Mm -hmm. or um, a professional bio kind of, you know, um, but the big job came through when I went to another women's networking event that um, I got a order for an entire website copy for like every page on their website. And this was a lot of work. So what I'm also talking about right now is copywriting. It is not ghostwriting or even anything about books.
0: Book writing, yeah.
1: I know, I don't think we wanna talk too much about entrepreneurship, but I'll say, sometimes you just have to start where you are and then go where you wanna be. And within two months of starting my business, I took Marie Forleo's B-School. And there's a bonus at the beginning of that course, that helped me the most because she said, you cannot be everything to everyone, which before I was agreeing to do anything that people needed that Mm -hmm. I knew how to do. And she said, you have to pick one thing. And another thing that had happened is um, one of my friends had um, written a book and hired an editor. And she said, I can't publish this. It's horrible. The editor took a long time and didn't do a good job. And I told her, well, I've never done that before. But, um, so I gave her a very low price and I said, I'm willing to try to help you if I can. And I got in there and I loved, like, I just immediately saw the problem and the solution. I knew exactly what to do. And she was over the moon thrilled that I got back to her with a six week turnaround, by the way. Um, and she, um, But through that process, I noticed that if I had been there in the beginning before she started writing the book, a lot of the things that I was going through and changing and fixing wouldn't have even needed to happen because it would have been written in the manner that it should have been for a reader to read it. Mm -hmm. So um, then I started the ghostwriting aspect and just really decided to throw my flag down there in the book space.
0: Oh, I love that. And you're so right about the journey of entrepreneurship. And sometimes you just have to get started, you know, getting that first client. I mean, my journey is not really not any different. I mean, I I started out in the storytelling space. I've always been in that space, but even when I first started building light beamers, you know, the very first thing that I offered is not something I still offer, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. I needed to get I just needed to get something going and I needed to kind of experiment for myself to figure out. And I too am a graduate of B school, Marie Forleo's B school. And I agree that was such an eye opener of like, oh, you know, you can't be all things to all people. And eventually you have to really, like you said, put your flag down and say, this is really what I do, who I am, who I'm for, how I help. And just be really, really clear about that. And now here you are, you know, here you are helping other, other people go through um, their writing process, ushering them to, you know, through the book writing process and publishing and also coming alongside them as a writer, as a ghostwriter when needed. So what do you think, you know, when it comes to you and I love to talk about storytelling when it comes to storytelling and book writing, um, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of ways to write a book. You know, yes. they, you've, you've been a technical writer. They can, they can be a very technical book. It could be an instruction manual. It can be a how to, a self-help guide. It can be a lot of things. Uh, what do you, what do you say to your clients? How do you help them infuse storytelling into what they're doing even if they are writing a self-help manual an instruction guide a technical thing whatever you have asked me my
1: favorite (laughs) question so I have a beautiful graphic my graphic designer made for me called the narrative arc and in fact maybe after this I'll email it to you if we oh I would love to see it make it um available but um so we start with the initial conflict, which is, so every book should start with, what is the reader most interested in and most looking for that you can most easily speak to, which is going to carry the theme of your book all the way through? So whatever problem you introduce on page one, and I encourage you to introduce a problem on page one, and I encourage you to do it through story, please. Um, <laughs> it's gonna get across better. And whatever that problem is, the rest of your book should be solving that problem in a way that tension is increasing as you write it up to a point of climax and then a quick resolution. Because once it's not exciting anymore, we're ready to put the book down. Okay, let's be honest. So um, the magic there for something like a self-help book is sometimes that increasing tension is more like increasing in complexity or certainly if it's like kind of um, a book with information, you start with the easier things to understand, your foundations, and then as you get further in, you need to do more complicated things. or for my client, Simon Severino, with his book, Strategy Sprints, he started with things that you could do very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then as you get into the teaching, he starts teaching things that take longer to complete. So, you know, there are lots of ways that you can do that increase of tension when it's not a memoir, you know, your your stories, you know, maybe it's a little bit more obvious there how you would follow that arc. Um, But this is really important so we don't just go scattershot and just say, just like throw up everything that we know and think and believe and have ever done and felt and just hope that it makes sense to somebody. Like, no, we want to follow a strategy and a plan to make the connection with the reader, to take them on the emotional journey from where they start to where they're going at the end when for like a self-help or informational book, they should have the outcome that they wanted when they picked the book up, what they wanted help for. And even if it's a memoir maybe um, what they wanted was a transformation of feeling they feel one way and they want to feel another way. Maybe they feel hopeless and they want to feel hopeful. Maybe they, um, they feel hopeful, but they feel crazy for feeling that way. And now they just want to be confident they're hopeful for a really good reason. You know, whatever it is, um, maybe they just want to feel like somebody else has been there too, and they're not alone. And they, they put the book down and feel that way. Um, but whatever that is, then you just want to follow that arc to plan out your stories, your information, your exercises, if you have those in your book and everything.
0: Well, those listeners um, of the Inside Story podcast and definitely our light beamers are going to recognize your formula because it's a very similar path that I have called my story art, my story formula. And it's, it is exactly what you just described. And it is so important. I just find that nothing is going to be able to connect to your reader emotionally. You said it, that- The emotional journey, we can get self-help, we can get the guide, we can get the instruction manual, but we will not integrate the teaching unless we have an emotional connection to it. Mm -hmm. We just won't. Uh, That's how we're wired as humans. And that is where the story piece is so critical. And I love that you said, start out with a problem, start out with a conflict right away and tell it through a story because immediately you're going to hook that reader. So I love that you have a similar guide and framework as me, because honestly, (laughs) to be honest, storytelling isn't that hard. We just overcomplicate it.
1: I love that. I was really excited when I saw yours too, because the thing is, if something works, it's, you're probably not the only person who's ever thought of it. (laughs) And when you see somebody else using a very similar system that Mm -hmm. also works, it just reinforces your own. So absolutely.
0: I mean, I go back to the fairy tale, you know, once upon a time there was, you know, the damsel in distress, that's the conflict. And then the white shining, the man on the, whatever it's called, the white shining knight in armor, that's the the transformation The the hero comes in and rescues her. And then the resolution, the other side is they live happily ever after, you know, it's just really so simple and not necessarily that hard. To find the stories that are going to give those compliment, you know, to get to complement that framework. Yet it does require people to dig, right? Mm-hmm. And even just yesterday I was on on a, a call with one of one of my book writing clients, and she was crying. You yeah. know, she's like, you know, just going deeper into these stories, because I was encouraging her that she was being kind of surface level. I said, You're being surface level with a story right now. And it's not going to serve the reader because you're kind of saying a whole lot of stuff without saying anything. Mm -hmm. And so we spent our time together going a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And of course, that's when all the emotion came up. And that's when I was like, now we're getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. Now we're hitting something that you feel. And so when you start describing how you feel and telling this story at a deeper level, now the reader is going to feel it. And that's the magic. That's where the magic is, but it's not necessarily easy because we got to dig, we got to go into those emotions, and for a good storyteller to come forward, right? They're going to mm-hmm. have to feel those emotions. Do you, how do you how do you deal with clients who are riding that emotional roller coaster when they're writing their book? Because it is that. It is
1: yes. I'm working with a husband and wife <laughs> duo now on um, on a, a memoir of both of them. And, you know, so I only know what they tell me, right? And, um, and the wife had a very challenging childhood and she had kind of glossed over it a little bit in the interview and I pressed for more and she, you know, didn't want to talk about it. And, you know, I just kind of left it then because we had a lot of material to cover and we've got a lot of, we're going to work together for a long time. all y'all. Books are not like one and done. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, it's okay, we'll get to it. And, um, And the first draft, when I sent it back, I knew that part was, um, it was a little, it was vanilla, you know, there Mm -hmm. was
0: surface. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, you know, when we kind of came down to it, the way that I got her to share more of her story was thinking about other people who have been through what she has been through, who, when they see that she walked that road, then the outcome that she's describing that she had is going to mean more to them than when it's just like, you know, just like kind of glossed over quickly. And I think um, there can be a lot of reluctance to kind of go there. First of all, sometimes we don't want to go there again, right? Mm -hmm. But what I encourage people to do is if I can get a ghostwriting client to do it, I'll be like, you know what? I'm not even going to type. I want you to just tell me because when I know I'm going to be able to help you package this in a better way. Um, And other times I'll say, you know, why don't you just journal? We don't have to use a sentence, not a word, but just write how you feel, write what happened to get it out of you. Because sometimes we're so afraid of that story, we don't want it to come out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But once it's out, it's not so scary, especially when you can edit it because you're crafting it for the reader. And the reader doesn't want to see you like wallowing and finger pointing and whining, but you might need to do that in your first draft or to to your story coach. Um, But then, you know, in the editing process, we we get all the ugly craw down to just what the reader needs Mm -hmm. so they can connect with
0: you and your story. Oh, that's so good. We're going to get the ugly cry out and get it funneled down to what the reader really needs to get out of your story. So good, Cindy. I love that. Yeah. And I, that is exactly it is that we're so scared to put that story out there that it just getting it out into that journal or just getting it out into a, an interview or a video recording that you might be doing with your coach or with your writing partner, um, is the, is just the the biggest first step. But then once it's out, then you're like, okay, now we can really go with something, you know, and that that, that is that is so, so true. Um, is that's the piece that's going to connect to the reader. That's the piece that's going to connect back to the audience. That's the piece where the audience is going to say, oh, I can see myself in her story now because she's actually told me the story instead of just being vanilla and trying to gloss over it. Yes. Um, When you are, so I don't know, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk when you go through your, your uh, you have several different programs where it's like crank out your book in eight weeks and different, you know, A to Z kind of author programs I would love to just do a little, a real high level view for anyone who really doesn't understand the writing and publishing process. What does that look like to literally go from, I want to write a book and I may not really know exactly what that book's going to be, but I know I have something I want to share. I have some expertise. I want to get out there. I have a story that I want to get out there to all the way through, not just publishing, but then launching and then selling that book and then You know, getting that book out there even more once the book is live. Can you kind of just give us the timeline and how you work with your clients and what all is really entailed?
1: Yeah. So when we start with someone, will come to me and say, "I want to write a book." I'll be like, "I'm I'm so happy for you. Tell me about it." (laughs) (laughs) It could be this and it could be that. Um, I like to use the Brendan Burchard gut test. Mm, Love him. You, yes, you, you probably you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But yes. I'll say, okay, let's just list all the possible ways that you could come at this. The the books that you could write, let's say, and then we look at um, who would be reading these books, and do mm-hmm. you have access to these readers? And then we look at close your eyes, kind of clear your mind, imagine that this book is in your hand. And you're at a podium in a room full of people, and you are speaking about this book, and you're going to continue talking to people about it and being passionate about it for at least two to three years. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Well, we're looking for the one that when you ask yourself that, you just get a big yes. Um, And then we go from there to look at okay, what's the business plan around this book? How? how is it, how, what are you gonna do to attract Mm. readers? So I think about the marketing before we've even drafted a table of contents, you know, what are you willing to do to put it out there? Um, Because I want you to start doing those things now, you know, like being a podcast guest, blogging, social media, whatever it is, that should have start today if it hadn't already. and you know, building an audience around the topic that you have chosen um, if you don't already have that. And then um, looking at how you're gonna monetize, because we wanna get those readers onto an email list, because without that, then you sell the book and then you're like, but this didn't turn into clients or any other business or even any other speaking. For me, everybody's not trying to get clients or sell a course, but you can at least sell, you know, paid speaking. And you know, if that's not happening, you probably haven't given your readers an easy way to stay in touch with you. So You have a lead magnet, which is a freebie, everybody. It could be a checklist, a quiz, um, something that makes sense with your book that they wouldn't think should have been inside of it already. Um, A digital workbook is very good Mm -hmm. as well. And have them on your email list. And then if you don't have anything to sell, just send nurture emails, just remind them that you're there and they love you. And whatever journey that you began leading them on in the book, continue leading them on that journey through your nurture content. And eventually you will have something to sell them. And maybe it's just your next book and that's fine. But maybe you decide to do a group coaching program because a lot of people are asking you to help them. And, you know, maybe you're going to run a group book study with people, you know, it could be anything. Um, So we look at that and then we look at, okay, for the target reader that we've identified and for the outcome that they want, which is why you picked your book, they're going to pick your book up, what is everything that you need to tell them or teach them that they want to hear and will find relatable. So we just do like a, that's when we do our brain dump. And I have a system around collating all those little brain dump gems and putting them into a detailed table of contents. And by detailed, I mean, your each chapter has an outline of each thing that you're going to cover. And from there, we write open-ended questions to all of the points that you're going to cover in those chapters, by the way, just like I do as a ghostwriter. So everything I teach is things that I also do with my one-on-one clients. These are all my processes that I do. Mm -hmm. And then I've laid them out in the course. Um, and from there, we start writing. So I provide a word count tracker, and each student will go in and input all their chapters and the target word count for each chapter. And then at, every time you sit down and write, you go in there and you input your word count, and you get that little serotonin hit when you see your word count go up <laughs> at the bottom of the screen. Um, and while you're in my coaching program, I will pull up the word count tracker um, first thing on all my group calls, and we Cheer for everybody whose word count has gone up, which almost always happens, and there's so much like positive, um, uh, social pressure there to perform. And The goal of the Crank Out Your Book is to write at least 30,000 words within the eight weeks. And I mean, most people do it too. I've had people mm-hmm. who <laughs> 30,000
0: words like, let's just debunk that right really yeah, quick because sure. I mean, I think people think 30,000 words. It's really not like 30,000 words is really, um, it's like half a book. I mean, like, it's really not that much.
1: No, I ask people to give me at least one hour a day, most days a week, and just follow the process. And every time somebody does that, they get about 30,000 words, sometimes more, sometimes a tiny bit less, but you know, they're about, yeah, because when you just sit down and write and you're not worried about all that other stuff that you'll deal with later, um, you know, the words just flow and Mm -hmm. it's easier. And yeah, the goal of that course is by the end, you've developed a writing process that you're doing consistently. If you wanted to write a short book, you may be done. If you want to write a longer Mm -hmm. one, you have the runway. You're on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I offer an additional round of just coaching for people who do want to continue that aspect. Um, And then I have tame your beast of a book in four weeks, which is the next step. So once you have that messy rough draft written before you hand it off to an editor, unless you want it to be like, so expensive, you should have hired a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have to edit it yourself first, and that is scary to a lot of people. So that's why I put this course together, which breaks down everything I do in a developmental edit, so that mm-hmm. you can do it for yourself. Because a lot of times, a ghostwriter or an editor will see what you've written, but they don't see what you meant. Instead, you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you need to go in and find that. And um, or if you've taught focus four different times in your business book. You know, you really need to be the one to pick when you want to teach it and the other times when you're going to refer to where you're teaching it. You know, I can make suggestions all day long, but you know um, the best way for the information you're teaching to flow for the reader. So, um, you know, I have that offer. And then the next thing that will happen is a copy edit. And I do not offer that um, in Crank Out Your Book in Eight Weeks. There's a bonus book editing plan that does include a rundown of that so that you, again, try to do as much as you can yourself before you hire someone. Not only will that cost less and take less time, but you're going to keep more creative control over your book. And I think that's just really important. Um, And then from there, you go to publishing and this can be done in several different ways. There are hybrid publishers where you pay someone to do it all for you and you just like choose your cover and everything. Um, You can also completely DIY and hire a book cover designer and an interior formatter and you can even hire someone to do just the book launch for you and an Amazon bestseller launch. Um, All of this you can do yourself, you can pay somebody to do. Um, And the thing I mentioned in the beginning about what are you willing to do to promote this book and you should start doing it (laughs) from day one, what's going to happen is um, I said a bestseller launch. So like maybe six weeks before your book is published, you're trying to get pre-sale orders in, but a lot of people stop doing anything after maybe the first week of the launch. And you heard me when I said what Brendan Burchard said, two to three years you're committing to this when you don't stop there, people stop there and then they complain. If you don't stop there and you keep hustling, you keep, you know, April, you know, keep speaking about your book, keep pitching speaking events, keep pitching podcasts, keep doing, you know, guest blogging, do your own blogging, do your own social media around your content, highlighting little quotes from your book. Anytime there's something in the media that your book relates to, talk about that. Maybe you can pitch the media for that. Maybe you're just talking about it in your own channels, but keep making your book relevant and other people will agree with you and think it's relevant. If you never mention it, people will assume it's not relevant and that is not even their fault. So um, that is, that, that's like the whole picture as full as I can paint it.
0: That's so true there at the end, what you were saying, all of that is such a great depiction of just the process. And even it was fun to hear even a little bit more of your particular process of how you walk with your clients um, through those programs. Uh, Really, really cool. But I always tell, you know, women that I'm working with, if they say, you know, like maybe they're writing a book or they've been a part of our collaborative book series. And I say, you think that writing this chapter or this book or this story is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. I promise you telling other people you wrote a book is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Promoting that book, getting that book out there. You're right. Like the book lives long after the book launch. You know, you have a week where you're celebrating and you're putting it all over your social media and then it just dies. You know, nobody ever talks about that book ever again. And that is the biggest mistake I see people make all the time. We, I just was with a client who, um, launched her solo book and I helped host a book launch party for her or book signing for her in Dallas. And the light bulb went off for her because people in, she had like huge turnout in this. Mm -hmm. And we were, she was having an interactive author Q and a, and someone asked her like, how can we support you? What do you need next? And she's like, I have no idea. And I was like, oh, I'll tell you what she needs next. <laughs> you know, cause she was just like a deer in the headlight. She's like, I have no idea what I need next. And I told her, I told them, I said, she needs podcast interviews. She needs future other book signings, just like this one. She needs, um, speaking engagement. She needs connections. She needs someone to host her as an author for a dinner party. She needs all these things. And like the light bulb went off, not only to the audience and they're like, oh, we can do that. Oh, I could do that. Oh, oh, sure. Like it was small things that they could help with, but she's like, April, this isn't just one book launch. And this, I have to launch this book for a year. I was like, yes, you do. So she's like, well, I'm going on a book tour. You know, she just was like, okay, I'm all in. And the light bulb went off for her. And I was so happy that that person asked that question and she realized, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I'm like, yes, you do. We talked about this. Let me remind you, you know, and then she was off to the races and now she is, she's promoting the book and, you know, she'll be at it for a long time. And, and I think she really understands that now. So many people don't think all the way through that. I love the fact that you ask about the business plan and get them thinking about that even before they've written their first word. And I think that's what a lot of people have to think about. and. You know, it is a strategy book, you know, putting the book out there can be a personal experience. Well, it is a very personal experience when you agree, okay. very personal. However, um, book writing books are business, you know, to sell a book on Amazon requires a transaction that is business that is, that is commerce. And we often overlook the fact that we need to approach book writing like we would approach building a lemonade stand or opening up a retail store or launching a coaching business online or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And I, I love that you you brought out those highlights in, in kind of sharing the timeline of how you work with your clients. So good.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I always say, you know, a book is a product like any other product, like any so other thing have yeah. you know, to treat yeah. it that way. It's your baby too, but it's also something you're going to sell.
0: So so for you as a, as a writer, as a, you know, at the foundation of who you are as a writer, creative writer, and you are now helping all these authors be, you know, get published and write their stories and get their work out into the world, their, their business books or whatever it may be. What do you do personally to stay sharp? And what do you do personally to keep your writing afresh when you're not ghostwriting for someone else?
1: Yeah, well, one thing that I started in 2018 and I'm so glad I did is writing my own newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um and I wrote it for a year and a half before I had anything to sell to anybody on there. I just want to like say that too. It's okay to have a newsletter and not sell anything. Yeah, <laughs> just building connections. But um because there I got to write what I wanted to say. Whereas ghostwriting and editing, it's always what the client wants to say.
0: Right. It's <laughs> not really your story, your
1: words. Yeah. Exactly. Um and so like that's that's been an avenue to kind of feed my soul and then I'm also working on a memoir about my um my obsession with cats really because um I don't just own four cats and a dog I also have three rescue kittens in the ensuite bathroom and closet adjacent to my office <laughs> so <laughs> and this has been me for a really long time so I'm just kind of looking at how, um, especially when I'm working with cats and kittens and, you know, helping them, you know, if they're they're sick or, you know, if they're not friendly to people yet, because the way I approach them and, you know, the connection that we form, it always teaches me something Mm -hmm. usually about empathy, or it just kind of makes me a better person. And I think it makes me a much better coach because when somebody is having a meltdown, I just... I don't get scared, even if they're not happy with my work. That can happen, by the way, (laughs) even to somebody Uh with a PhD. But when I see that, I just see that little tiny kitten in the corner hissing and shivering. And I just know all they need is a careful, gentle, slow approach and to give them some power and make them feel like they're not cornered (laughs) and that they... There's plenty of ways that we can do this. And then, you know, the kitten starts to relax and trust me. And then, you know, we find a way through. And before you know it, they're sitting in my lap and purring. And, you know, it's kind of, I think that um that's just kind of a, a little like snapshot of what that project is. So like that feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, I read Writer's Digest and um Poets and Writers, which keeps me my ear really to the ground and the creative writing field and um you know publishers weekly I like to always know what's going on in the book publishing world for traditional publishing because I bring that back to make all my self publishing authors um you know up to par with whatever else is going on at Barnes and Noble.
0: Yeah, so good. Who are some of your favorite um teachers in the field that you follow like you know, like writing people? Okay.
1: So Jane Friedman is like the best, um, her blog is like the material that she just gives away for free, like is amazing. And she also has a paid newsletter. I don't get the paid newsletter, but (laughs) the free blog has a lot of great stuff on it. And I'm sure the paid newsletter has even more. Um, and, uh, another one is Seth Godin, which, yeah. yeah, just, you know, more of kind of marketing, but also just, you know, just just encouragement to just do it and you know while we're sitting back afraid somebody else who's a little bit less afraid that maybe even knows a little bit less than us that hasn't even had the experience we've had is just doing it and it's not their fault that we're not doing it too so um in that in that vein you know I look at a lot of personal development books too um I just read Joy is My Justice by Tanmeet Sethi um and I'm always looking for ways um, to help my clients with those emotional parts mm-hmm. of what it takes, as we were talking about today, to to get your story out or to get over those hurdles that make you want to stop or give up or, you know, just keep your feet in the sand and barely make any progress. Um, so a lot of that, I mean, I spend a lot of my time um, in the personal development space too. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So kind of an off the, off the wall, kind of different direction. Have you ever thought about doing a cookbook, like have it be vegetarian recipes or anything like that? Like a writer's guide to yeah. <laughs> a vegetarian way of lifestyle that could be really fun <laughs> for you because it's such a big part of who you are. That's
1: really funny. You know, I considered that when I lived overseas because, um, I did a lot of cooking for us at home and I had to adapt a lot of recipes because mm-hmm. sometimes I couldn't find exactly what I wanted over there. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is, um, it's, it's a possibility. It could come down the <laughs>
0: line. <laughs> it may happen. It may happen. Well, thank you so much for just sharing so much with us today. And I, I mean, really, I just love hearing more of your process and, and just the way that you're, you're guiding people through and some of the stumbling blocks that you see them, you know, the same thing, like they just like stuff that I see too, that where they kind of get stuck and stumble over some things. And it's always really great to hear how people guide, guide them through that process. So, and yeah, just, I think you're amazing. I think that, you know, you have such great, um, just such a great business model for helping other people really make that, like I said, make that whisper, that dream come true. And it's just been amazing to get to know you. And I'm so glad we got to have you on the show today. You too. I love you, April. Ah, right back at you. Ah! Dr. Cindy Childress. We will link up all of her pertinent information in the show notes, wherever you are listening to this podcast so that you can connect with her, go to our website, follow her on social media, reach out to her for your book, uh, writing and publishing needs, and she will take very, very good care of you. I can assure you. We've actually had a couple of light beamers. Well, I know one light beamer that has used you as a ghostwriter, which has been really cool, which I didn't know that until after we met, which is really yeah. kind of a fun fact. I'm like, hey, did you write so-and-so's book? I sure <laughs> did. I'm like,
1: ah, oh. It is really fun, yes. And, and she, a sneaky she suspicion amazing. that
0: was you. Yeah, so fun, so fun. So, all right, everyone. I hope that this... Really, at the end of the day, I hope that you see book writing as a vehicle to make an impact, to, yes, build a business, make a profit, you know, have a lot of really beautiful things unfold. But at the end of the day, it's a vehicle to get your story out into the world. And there are lots of people out there that are willing to help you do that. So take advantage of the amazing work that Cindy does and go and share your story. We will be back here next week with another amazing episode of the inside story podcast. If you enjoyed this one, give it a review, share it out with your friends, say hello to us on Instagram and come tell me the thing that you love the most about this episode. If you had an aha, I always love hearing what it was and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.